Coming up on today's jam-packed show, Kenobi to pick back up neck much sooner than expected. Mandalorian Season 3 is already in the works, and Kathleen Kennedy tells all on the future of Star Wars. All that and more coming up now. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Telling the Odds. We are back at you with the episode uh, 12 we up to? 10? Episode 13. I can't count. Uh, 13. Episode 13. <laughs> very, very fun number. 13. Yeah. Lucky. Should episode be a good episode. 13. Yeah, we've got a, we've got a very uh, busy episode for you guys. Lots, uh, of, lots of news. Cool, lots of lots discussions. Of discussions. Yeah. Some uh, Star Wars news. Star Wars Universe is a buzz this week. Uh, today is Sunday, the 23rd of August, Things 2020. Are I hope you guys are all doing well. The weather outside is abysmal, so it's good that we can have uh, this platform to uh, keep us entertained while yeah. we're trapped inside. Yeah. Um, why, why would you go outside and do things when you can have conversations over the internet? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> you had a good in- week, Michael? Yeah, what? You had a good week? I've I've had the best week that I could have. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's answer. been mostly uneventful, but it's good to have an eventful uh, uh recording session. So an eventful yeah. week for Star Wars. That's always good enough. It has been a very eventful week for Star Wars. We're getting gonna get into that now. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I actually like this is I don't even care, I'm gonna talk about this on the air, but Go I had a cool it. idea. I had a cool idea for us to when for when we start the news segment. Oh yeah. Uh we could have like a sound bite from a Star Wars movie where yeah. someone says news or something like that. And you know what? I couldn't find any I'm probably not doing it well enough. I haven't looked through every movie or scoured my yes. brain for a quote regarding the word news, except for the Revenge of the Sith clip where Chancellor Palpatine and Anakin Skywalker are at the opera when Chancellor says, yes, come closer, I have good news. <laughs> That's pretty good. Imagine if we had that at the start. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll, anyway. I'll think through other things as well, but that, yeah. that's a good idea. I thought that'd be an interesting thing for just like, you know, mm. to, to, to add in. Uh, anyway, let's get into that news segment. Let's uh, jump right into it. Yeah. So our first story, uh, well, actually, you know what? Uh, <laughs> this is how well we plan things out. We're gonna do, we'll, we'll do our a little bit of housekeeping first, just regarding the podcast. Uh, so, but once this episode goes out, it will be available as of twelve PM AEST every Sunday, and the YouTube version will be available at the same time the next day. The time codes for each one of our discussions will be available in the description. And cool little uh, thing that is new. Cool little tidbit. Uh, yeah, we've got a website now, guys. A website for you guys to visit. Wow, the, we're on the, the internet. <laughs> the link is available on the Facebook page. Uh, basically, it's just a, an extension of the podcast where any uh, news story that we will be discussing, a written version of it will be available on the website. There's also a, uh, a, a forum window for you guys to have cool discussions where we'll be, po- we'll be posting questions regarding the podcast or just any other question that we might have on our minds. And you can also subscribe to the website itself for any further development on the podcast. Uh, on, on basically any platform that we've got uh, uh, coming your guys' way. But other than that, let's actually get into the news now. Yeah. This uh, bit of news was actually released earlier this week, and I jumped on it so we could include it in this week's episode. Mm. Uh, this came out of nowhere, but it was welcomed uh, to my to, to, to the um Welcome to, to the podcast. Star Wars fan ears. Exactly, because it's great, great news. Uh, Kenobi is starting shooting next month. 
in a time of great uncertainty, not just related to all things in life, but the development of our future Star Wars projects, the story will uh, certainly bring a smile to your face. So basically, up until this week, the latest of updates we'd received on the Kenobi series coming to Disney+, Plus, led by uh, Deborah Chow of Mandalorian fame, was that filming and overall production of the project had been indefinitely delayed due to the COVID-19 pandemic, yeah. and subsequently slabbed the series for an undetermined 2022 release date, rather than the uh, release date that was supposed to come much sooner. Um, and honestly, we were, I was beginning to think that we would we, that it was going to be a much longer time uh, for mm. us to ever get any development or update in regards to Ewan McGregor's involvement or any filming related to anything like that. Until this week, when the Making Star Wars website, which we'll be leaving a link for in the description of the podcast, uh, reported that early principal photography for the for Kenobi series will begin in just under a month, in the month of September. Um, specifically, the showrunners are planning to begin filming exterior shots in Southern California in a filming district commonly dubbed the Train Yard. Uh, that filming site is in fact the same setting chosen for the exterior shots seen in Mandalorian Episode 5, which took place on, you guessed it, Tatooine mm -hmm. in Mos Eisley. As a large majority of the upcoming Kenobi series will obviously follow the Jedi Master's 19-year exile on that very planet, it's not a difficult puzzle to assemble what they'll be doing there. Yeah. Uh, additionally, it's also been reported that, the only f the, uh, that once filming for these exterior shots have been completed, filming and subsequent production of the series will be carried out further at Pinewood Studios in UK, where a lot of the Star Wars... Uh, movies and TV shows, uh, you know, do their principal photography. So it appears that the delay of the Kenobi series may not be as indefinite as we'd once begin to concede, yeah. Michael. Uh, with set prep work already underway at the train yard filming location, there are released images, uh, uh, like, you know, paparazzi images of, mm -hmm. like, uh, Moss Eisley facades being added to the area. Uh, Kenobi might not be as far off as we once thought. So, um, this yeah. is incredible news. I was really, really happy to hear this. It's very exciting to hear that, yeah, they are able to continue working. I do hope yeah. that they're able to film it, like, safely. Like, I know that there have been, like, reports about, like, uh, attempts to like film with social distancing in mind and or like to keep yeah. in like a like like little quarantine bubbles and stuff i, I hope they're able to keep that in mind because the last thing you'd want would to be like a, a anyone a in, anyone in the film to like have be to have to catch it which would be rough but like yeah. otherwise if they're able to do that then this, this is very exciting news yeah well the good thing is is that at that you know that potential problem actually relates to something that uh john favreau said in our next news story so we'll get into that in just a moment oh, yeah. about how they're going to tackle uh social distancing on set um but in regards to the news itself i am uh, super excited and it makes complete sense because of the fact that the mandalorian's exterior shots for tatooine in episode five where he has that oh, rendezvous great, with uh, yeah with um that that kid and they go after um uh what's her name fennec shand mignar when yes. bounty hunter character from from mandalorian um and i think that it's it's well yeah it's it's fantastic news and it makes complete sense that they would uh take advantage of it in this way because they can't be doing everything right now because they need to be you know confined to sets for some things you know there are things that they need to be doing in terms of special effects that can't mm. be accomplished right now because you know people just can't be working together um but in terms of it, it really shows that they're doing basically anything they can to get this off the ground. And that shows some real, uh, you know, initiative and just gives me, you know, a total amount of respect for the show and as those being Deborah Chow and the production company at Lucasfilm, you know, Kathleen Kennedy and other creative voices that are, that are involved. Mm. Um, 
and it, it's sort of interesting, again, that, like, you know, they're saying that this photography will be taking place in California, then the rest of it will be in the UK. Obviously, they're traveling across oceans to film the series. Yeah. Um, so if they're needing to be, you know, taking people to completely new continents, that's when I think it'll start to slow down again. But if we can get as much as we can uh, done as quickly as possible, it sounds like that's what they're doing. So um, they're yeah. taking the necessary precautions, as it sounds. As Again, we'll be reporting on that in the next news story regarding The Mandalorian. But uh, yeah, this is overall a, a, a great bit of news. It is exciting because, yeah, there was after the Mandalorian season, after Mandalorian season two comes out at the end of the year, without this having like knowledge having come out, it would have been yeah. just a real dry spell of no Star Wars for a long time because, like, not even exactly. anything's being worked on, let alone like planned on being released. And so I think having knowing that this is back up in production, it does lead to this hope that like, oh yeah, so there will be more Star Wars content after Mandalorian season two. It just might take a little bit longer, but not as long as it originally would have taken, which is good. Yeah, as everything will, like literally everything in this world is being set back. Yeah. Uh, but it but it sounds like in this regard, they're taking the necessary precautions and thinking, okay, we can't do this, but we're going to do as much as we can amidst everything that's going on. Yeah. So I think that's a great step forward and it shows um, a level of, you know, uh, I'd say maturity, like, you know, a, a, a good sensible uh, approach to... A workforce, I suppose, is that Hopefully. is, I guess, the way yeah. you'd put it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's that. Everybody, uh, Kenobi will start shooting next uh, next month as much as they can again, and uh, we'll be sure to give you as much development on that particular story as we can. Moving on to the next topic, which is again related to TV and actually answers certain things that we were just talking about in terms of how are they going to do this in terms of social distancing and stuff. Uh, Mandalorian season three is already in the works. Right. Um, it seems us that the Mandalorian has taken production efficiency to an entirely new level because they were filming season two while season one was out. They were doing, yeah. they're, they're now doing pre-production for season three before season two has been even released. Um, with filming for season two practically wrapped up before the cessation of the first season, yeah. they were able to ensure that that global pandemic did not affect them uh, adversely. So that's great. Um, and we also now have word from the executive producer of the Mandalorian himself, John Favreau, that the Mandalorian season three has already been confirmed and is currently undergoing pre-production. Um, to me, it seems as though that if you want your third season confirmed before the previous season even airs, (laughs) all you need to do is be a Star Wars project. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think Uh, it makes complete sense. Like not only was the Mandalorian season one, a massive hit, like financially for like Disney plus, but also critically just in terms of like it, united many star wars fans both like of this sequel trilogy and people who weren't as keen about the sequel trilogy a very wide group of people really enjoyed mandalorian and so it only makes sense to keep it going and especially because right now there is this real lack of star wars content uh and mandalorian not only is the thing that people really like but like as you're saying it's very easy for them to do like they're able to efficiently create this tv show with all these like production things that they've come across like i I, i think it was an. It, it's inevitable. What's the, what's the Thanos quote? <laughs> I, I, I am inevitable. inevitable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, that's another thing is that like you know it'll actually be related to a story that we're going to talk about in just a moment. But you know, uh, I think that you can learn a lot from the Mandalorian, not just in terms of Star Wars production going forward, but everyone is that when you saw those behind the scenes uh, episodes, we talked about them on yeah. uh, on the podcast. You can go back and listen to them if you want. The way they did things was so efficient. They hired people that they could trust, and they knew that they could like and. Uh, that, that 
that would get the job done. And just based on the those roundtable discussions, I think that the entirety of Star Wars and every project they do can learn a lot from the Mandalorian in terms of efficiency and how they go about making uh, making their, their their show. Is that they employ previs they do all those things that john favreau was able to incorporate mm. in uh, some of his previous uh some of his previous projects which you know what that's what his quote mm. actually talks about so we have a quote here from There's john so favreau much work we spoke with the season uh, the show absolutely yeah it was um when speaking with variety john favreau said that the fact that the set is much more contained in a, is a benefit because you limit the number of people. A lot of the people controlling it are doing it remotely from what we call the brain bar, which is a bank of gaming computers, essentially. <laughs> the amount of people near the camera could be much smaller than usual. We also shoot a lot outside, which is helpful too. We build to a moment in filming more like an animated production where we have a lot of storyboards, a lot of discussions and scouting in virtual reality. We use cinematic tools in VR uh, much in the same way we did for The Lion King and Jungle Book. A lot of times the actors you are seeing on the screen aren't actually there on the set. So, yeah, in saying mm. that, Favreau provides a, a response to the possible delays that could arise from a third season, like we were talking about, like, you know, what will happen to these shows when, you know, people need to come closer together because of the, you know, pandemic and stuff. That's sort of a, uh, a response to that in a way that I didn't think, uh, you know, I hadn't heard that sort of response before, so it was yeah. very interesting for me. Definitely. Uh, it, it definitely provides a response for any possible delays that could arise, giving hope that any possible delays might not be as extended as we actually thought. Uh, in any case, mm -hmm. this is fantastic news and a veritable and a veritable step forward for the Star Wars flagship series, The Mandalorian. Uh, so yeah, that when you when you brought up that question, Michael, like yep. how are they going to do that sort of thing for Kenobi when it comes to bringing people closer together, uh, or even Cassian Andor? How are we going to get people closer together in terms of <laughs> Keep uh, you know, Cassian uh, Andor exists? You know, D Diego Luna, Adria Jorna, How are we going to get them closer together to shoot together? If this is the you know principle and like you know filming strategies that they're using on the Mandalorian, it only stands to reason that they'll be doing them for the other shows as well. Yeah, and I think it's and it's just like the idea that they're shooting as much as they can for the Kenobi series uh, uh, really early on. They're taking a really sensible approach to it, and I love it. Yeah, hopefully. I think definitely, because with The Mandalorian, the way that they did it, how, like, I mean, kind of revolutionary it was shot as a TV show, like, making it, like, shooting it kind of in quality like a film, but, like, in a really creative way. You could almost yeah. look at it as kind of like a blueprint or, like, a prototype for the way that they, I guess, are planning to do Disney Plus shows, like, using the new technology, that style of shooting, like, the VR things, like, with John Favreau's history. And I think that's really exciting to be able to create lots of Star Wars TV, like, uh, shows, which expand the universe in a lot more creative and deeper ways than we would through a film, which needs to be more mainstream, while also allowing to keep that, like, higher cinematic level quality that the films have. I think that's, like, amazing. And, and the fact that they're able to do that while hopefully keeping social distancing and making sure that it isn't getting out of hand or, like, being too dangerous on set, like, keeping, making the, the workers are all still safe. I think that's a great, I, that's a great thing. Yeah, you know, you hit the nail on the head just there when they said that they can use the Mandalorian and how they went about filming the first season and the fact that they've already started, they, they completed season two filming before season one even released. Uh, like, you know, they can use that as a blueprint going forward. Like, we already know Kenobi is going to be using that same 360 screen that they can put yeah. themselves in completely new environments in the middle of a, you know, a, a Pinewood studio, um, which, is, which, is, which is fantastic. And I think that this 
John Favreau's history with virtual reality and pre-visualization for shows and movies like The Lion King, like The Jungle Book, that's why a great creative head like him is in charge. And that's why I think you need to have him as a really direct creative voice in all of Star Wars because his, you know, his precedence in terms of the projects that he's already done is does does so much to inform how you can not only shoot really well just for anything but it also helps to inform how you would film and go about producing something in this ever changing landscape that we have in this world right now where nothing seems to be like it will uh be nothing will really go back to how things were for a while like we have to concede that and Mm. you know um and I, I, I just think it's a, it's a really great approach there. I think they're being, they're, it's a really sensible approach to anything that you would need to do for a Star Wars project like this. Yeah, yeah. exactly. As long as it's like reopened in the context of keeping it safe, getting as much done as they can while staying in these environments and like not, not just business as usual, like sacrificing things, basically not the way that Disney opened Disneyland, as long as they don't do that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, no, I think that that's, um, I, I trust based on the way that John Favreau has, um, you know, talked about the things that they're using and the way he's uh, talked in this quote here. I think they're all taking a very reasonable and safe approach to it. And I, uh, I'm really excited. I'm really excited yeah. for not only Mandalorian season two, but uh, everything, everything that's coming. And that's another thing is that Star Wars we content. Supp- Star Wars content. Exactly. You know, we were supposed to be getting a, you know, it was never confirmed, but there were many, many sites practically confirming that we were going to get a Mandalorian season two trailer today. And that was going to be our main discussion for the day. If it did happen uh, so far, it so far it has not happened. And honestly, Michael, if it, re- yep. cause they said, okay, if, now if it's going to happen at some on point. Saturday, if it releases sometime tonight or between now and tomorrow, we're going to be so yeah. annoyed. Here's the thing, guys. We come out on t- at 12 p.m. on Sunday, but we record 12 p.m. Saturday. Yeah. So if at the time you're listening to this, the Mandalorian trailer has been released, you should know we are very angry. <laughs> I mean, we're releases- happy because we get to see the trailer, but we're very oh, mad. Honestly, I'm thinking we might just have to do like a spontaneous like yeah, Sunday thing, to. like, you know, two episodes in two days, because like, you know, we could always... Uh, just talk about it on the next show, but yeah. I, I don't know. It, it seems as though that any relevant discussion will have been talked about by other sites by the time Everyone we can talk be. about it. When you get on that um, Star Wars news bandwagon, absolutely, yeah. Uh, so that's that's that, and that's that. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, the Mandalorian season two trailer will be along any minute. Uh, mm. I, I would love that if if it dropped like while we're recording that would be hilarious <laughs> if, if we're like in the middle of our main discussion like oh oh michael it's up scrap this main discussion we yeah. need to talk about it. we need to talk about it instead um but then again we probably need time to just break it down because if we were to talk about the trailer i think we'd be doing not as much a reaction but a yeah. you know we want to do a breakdown more than a reaction. scene by scene breakdown yeah exactly uh, yep. But anyway, that brings up that uh, wraps up the second news story, and we're going to wrap, and we're going to go to our third one. Now, the, the, now this little thing we've got here isn't really a news story yeah. yet because it's been rumored over Twitter. Mm-hmm. There was a, uh, it was the Kessel Run Transmission Network, which does have it's a it's a it's a podcast that does have industry connection, but yeah. uh, there's been there, there hasn't been any industry confirmation about this, but it's just a percolating theory that has gained some traction so we'll talk about it a little bit and then offer you our thoughts as to where we think it could go yeah uh kylo ren spinoff on its way Mm. uh admittedly the particular story does not yet possess as much traction like we were just talking about uh but in turn but uh, it's been discussing the possibility of either a series or a standalone film uh 
based around a spinoff adventure based on the son of Han Solo and Leia Organa, Kylo Ren, and yeah. whether or not that could be in development in some fashion. I think... There hasn't been uh, any talk about whether or not it could be live action, yeah. whether it could be animation, because Adam Driver certainly hasn't given any uh, thing about yeah. it um, or I, indication look, that he's I think a part of it. We can talk about it in the sense of, like, it could be a possibility, definitely not in the how we think it will happen or whatever. I think. I yeah. think we talk about it, if it could be a possibility, how we think it would happen, maybe what we'd like to see. I think that's a good I think thing. we just quickly talk about, like, you know, what we would want yeah. to see. Because, like, you know, I'm not sure if there's a lot of room yes. for story for storytelling in between the, the, so the, it would the have sequel to be because It would have to be one of two spots. It would have to be uh, before Force Awakens, which is pretty much uh, any of his early years as a Jedi, uh, or him fallen after a Jedi all the way up to him being in Episode Seven. Or yeah. it could be between episode uh, eight and nine, which because there's a year time. There is gap. a year difference. Uh, the year yeah. time. Uh, and so what? What would be? We could explore both. So let's do eight and nine first, because in between that, uh, what was he up to? He was looking for. Uh, was he following? Wasn't it something to do with Palpatine? Or was it actually? Here's what it was. He was originally hunting uh, the the, uh, the wayfinder. The what? The wayfinder. Right. Wayfinder, but that was only after he saw um, Palpatine's message, right? Yeah, after uh, after the as the title crawl uh, after the title uh, as the title crawl said yep. after the dead spoke. Yeah, <laughs> um, when when a mysterious message was sent out into the galaxy. How much about earlier Palpatine's than return. episode nine was that released? Because I wouldn't assume it would be very. It wouldn't be like a whole year or anything. So I don't know because as we know, the Rise of Skywalker opened with Kylo Ren uh, just beating the crap yeah. out of these Mustafar uh, <laughs> uh, monks, I suppose, that were guarding the monastery. That, yeah. that were guarding the the Wayfinder because because. <laughs> Uh, in I think it was in the, either the visual dictionary or in other news that Sorry. was released or just information. I didn't play Fortnite, which revealed the actual message that he played, so I don't. No, know. I did not. I did not, so play, I did not play Fortnite either. Why? Why did they reveal the message for what he was saying in Fortnite? I don't know. There was literally a Fortnite tie-in to Rise of Skywalker. Oh, I, I've never, I've never played Fortnite in my life, so I, I have, but not. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. I did it ironically. <laughs> Whatever. It's good. <laughs> here's, here's an idea. Let's never mention Fortnite again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's the only time it's ever mentioned. Anyway, it's been re- it was talked about after the film was released that that Wayfinder that Kylo Ren found was actually Darth Vader's Wayfinder. Yeah. Which... Which which is which is odd because Wait. like there wasn't any because Exegol didn't really have any relevance to the original trilogy. Yeah, exactly. What? That's what, that's 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 a head scratcher. But it's just a Look, thing that they say. Maybe, maybe old Palps had this plan to go to Exegol like for like forever, and just in case he gave Darth Vader one, just to be like. Look, uh, I know if something goes bad, you can find me here because maybe he didn't expect that Vader would be the one to actually defeat him. Uh, okay. There we go. There's, yeah. there's some canon. I mean, I mean, exactly. explanation. Like, look, honestly, you know, the entire the the entire concept of Palpatine and Exegol gets me confused and a little frustrated because the Sith homeworld is moribund. It's in canon. We like, uh, okay. We will but, get to Rise of Skywalker in about oh eight eight weeks or so. A couple a couple of weeks. Couple yeah. Weeks. Um, we're going to get into a whole thing about the sequel trilogy when we get there anyway. Going to be lots uh, of fun. Re- regardless, getting back to Kylo Ren. <laughs> Kylo Ren. Um, yes. There there has to be something regarding his character. I think. Uh, 
in terms of what he was doing as the Supreme Leader before Palpatine showed up. Because after Last yeah. Jedi, he becomes the Supreme Leader, Kylo Ren, and how he, you know, sort of adjusts to that, how other people in the First Order adjust to that, yeah. could be an interesting tale to tell. But honestly, I would be much more interested in I his early life. I think it would have life. to be. It would have to... Look, I think almost definitely it would be... Uh, all right, maybe early, early Jedi him... But definitely the majority of the show would be after his fall as a Jedi. I think that would be yes. the most likely. I think that would be the most like, likely. But frankly, I would love to see stuff regarding his childhood because Adam Driver has said that there was originally going to be further development into uh, Kylo Ren's story, yeah. but there wasn't that like, you know, that's that's a whole other story. Like, can we, we, further we, development we can, we, and everything in the sequences. We, we can we can talk about why that didn't show up, yeah. whatever. But uh, I think that it was a really interesting story to tell because because Adam Driver, I think it was like in a in an interview at some mm. point, he he didn't go into it a lot, but he talked about what he would want you know, as, yep. as his backstory, he said that he would have, as a child, uh, he thought that, uh, Kylo Ren or Ben Solo, uh, fittingly would have gone through a certain area in his life where he felt, um, uh, uh, forgotten or disregarded because his parents were so, his parents were hailed as heroes of the galaxy after the battle of Endor to the point where they didn't have time for him, stuff like that. They didn't treat him properly. And then the idea of them just shipping him off to a Jedi Academy was sort of their way of just getting rid of him. And I would love to see stuff like that, how he reacted to that. I would love to see his his, his uh, relationship with Chewbacca. I would love because something that I thought that they could have done really, really well in the sequel trilogy is, and it would have given something given Chewbacca more impact in the sequel trilogy rather than yep. just making him a glorified taxi driver. That's a whole <laughs> other. That's not. That's a whole other story. Um, that would yep. have given actually that that would have given a uh, uh, story dimension to Chewbacca as a character in the original in the sequel trilogy more so than we even got in the original trilogy because he's more prevalent in that story in the original trilogy but he doesn't actually have a lot of uh, um, uh, well I love Chewbacca to death but story relevance yeah uh, he's yeah. mostly if, just if there as was, like with Han Solo. If this was here, that would have been fantastic. And like, you know, I think that you could have, you could delve into that a lot. And that's something that I would really enjoy seeing because, and this is like, I guess we could, you know, keep talking about it before we get into the main discussion yep. is, uh, obviously Colin Trevorrow's episode nine didn't end up happening, but there's a lot no. of concept. There's a lot of concept art regarding his original jewel of the fates, which is what it was originally going to be called. <laughs> and one of those jewel of the fates concept images involves Chewbacca after he's captured, chained up and he's, and he's being interrogated by Kylo Ren, all right? I would have loved to see more interaction between them because basically, um, I, I again, this is just a, another silly sort of thing that was released by Star Wars after The Rise of Skywalker came out. Yep. But they did sort of talk about that Chewbacca was a... Uh, prevalent figure in a young Ben Solo's life. He was basically like an uncle to him or a godfather. That makes sense, um, yeah. Yeah, Uncle Chewbacca, essentially. Or family um, pet. <laughs> but you know, I I would have I would have loved to see more of that, and I think that if you could get more of that in a possible Kylo Ren spinoff or an a re, or an early Ben Solo spinoff, yeah, I would love to see that. Honestly, I would. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think I think there's definitely it would be interesting to explore his backstory. Uh, in terms of like what medium this would be, if it was live action, you getting like Adam Driver, you would struggle to do a younger Ben Solo with Adam Driver, especially like now that he's older. So I think yeah. personally, if this was to happen and if it was to be like a origin for him, I think it would most likely be an animated show. 
like something Most maybe an animated show something maybe or... on the lines of like like 2d animated style kind of maybe like a uh, uh forces of destiny did you did you know that yeah no i see what you mean yeah i, I feel like so. personally like... i'd see it something like that where it's maybe just a mini series on disney plus like where his backstory that's personally how i would think it would be most likely to happen what do you what yeah. do you reckon what do you think well i don't know i mean like you know when in interviews for like you know when they were doing the press tour for the rise of skywalker adam driver talked very publicly about the fact that he would still like to explore where kylo ren was or where he yeah. could go he could still like, voice you know, him but yeah he could still voice him or he could still play him. It shows that he would still yeah. like to do it. Like, you know, he seems that it, I was actually watching the Skywalker legacy documentary that came, that came with the release of the rise of Skywalker. Right. And it talks about how he, in a lot of ways is very protective of, um, of, of Kylo Ren in terms of, uh, where his character goes, right. the physicality of him, how he fights and stuff. And I think that would definitely extend to where his backstory could go. And I think that if you were going to do a Disney Plus series regard, uh, starring Adam Driver or an animated show or even recasting Kylo Ren to be a younger version of himself, get a Finn Wolfhard in there, something, you know, <laughs> that would... <laughs> hey, Finn Wolfhard has been talked about as a young Kylo Ren all over eh, Twitter. He could do it. Yeah, you could do it. Hey, he could do it. Yeah. So, not confirmed. Uh, interesting idea, and uh, look, if we see more in the future, I'm sure we'll be we'll be discussing it as it comes along. But otherwise, I I'd be happy to see whatever form it would be. More Star Wars yeah. content, more Star Wars content. Yeah, me too. Um, so yeah, there you go. That is our uh, last little news slash discussion for the day. Yeah. Now we're going to get into our main discussion, and this only main. you know came out like a few hours ago and we jumped on it and collected as much info on it as we can. Breaking news. <laughs> this is completely breaking news. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy, the the, the uh, president of Lucasfilm herself, has let loose on the future of Star Wars and what it will entail. Uh, this was an interview that she did with The Wrap. Again, the uh, the the link to that topic, will, to that, uh, sorry, that website will be available in the description because that's where all of these different internet uh, sites and all these new sources have originally gotten the source from. Um, so, but we are obviously going to to talk about it. Uh, so our main discussion is just going to be completely based around what she has said and how we interpret it and maybe what we would like to see based on what she has said. So yeah. in this unpredictable world we live in, Michael, it is hard to imagine what will come next day to day. And, and, a, and a universe that people religiously subscribe to, like Star Wars, is no different. And since the completion of the sequel trilogy and its divisive reception, not everyone was a fan of it, the future of Star Wars and the voices that will be in charge of it have been completely up in the air. Like we were just talking about, there has been not a lot of solid news regarding anything behind the scenes. There's just been, you know, little developments about, yeah, we're filming this now or this has been announced or something like that um with release dates getting scrubbed a trail of fired creative heads and seemingly endless talks of executive switch arounds the future of star wars was under was was practically unpredictable uh until now because kathleen kennedy has sat down for this interview where she shed light on the plans for star wars universe going forward and how they plan to use what has come before to inform a completely new take on the franchise that will be completely divergent to the now completed Skywalker saga. So she, uh, so now we're going to read uh, part of the mm -hmm. quote that she has released and part of what she said. Uh, d d would you like, would you like to read it, Mike? Sure. All right. Uh, I'll give it a read. Uh, it's an ever-evolving process, you know. When I personally came into this, George had already been having conversations with his previous actors, Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill. Uh, there was a saga that fans loved and he never finished. He always talked about doing nine movies and was ready to complete that. And so our focus had been from the beginning on showing that saga. 
And now we're stepping back. Stories have been told within the universe that over the last 40 odd years, and there's now the realization that this is a mythology that actually spans about 25,000 years. When you really start to look at all the different stories that have been told, whether it's in books or games. Okay, uh, so basically what she's saying is, like, you know, what they've been doing in this complete absence of uh, of, of Star Wars creative announcement yep. is going back, going and looking at what has been done in books and games like we were just talking about, and they've been talking about in the last 40-odd years since Star Wars first came out, yep. that there is a much richer mythology than just the, let's say, 60 to 70-odd years that has been covered in the Skywalker saga from Phantom mm. Menace to Rise of Skywalker. There is, like she was talking about, a 25,000-year mythology before the Phantom Menace ever took place. Right. Um, and there's lots of different stories to be told, and they've obviously been taking their time to go back, look at what works and what could translate well to film or TV, and using that to inform what will come next. So... I guess we could talk about the idea that, like, I'm not saying that she's only now realizing that there's a 25,000 year mythology, but um, it it kind of sounds like that's what's happening. Like, you know, she, like we just said, there's now the realization yeah. that this is a mythology that actually spans about 25,000 years. Yeah, I, um, I think basically like, what she was saying is previously the focus has been on the sequel trilogy, on completing this, uh, I guess, third yeah third trilogy, finishing the nine films. And like now, instead focusing on this idea that Star Wars is this twenty five thousand years, this is this mythology, and so they can explore it in stretch in like in much further depth. Because yeah, in in Star Wars canon that we've received so far, almost everything has been centered around the original trilogy, with very few in prequel trilogy and also in sequel trilogy. But besides from that, we've received nothing after the prequel trilogy uh, after the sequel trilogy, and like barely anything at all before like phantom menace era and so i think it's definitely an opportunity to explore in both directions but most likely before prequel trilogy uh and that that i am excited for as for the looking past the the past 40 years i think i think that's like a a mix of it's a good idea but like it depends how it happens like for me i think you definitely want to look at the materials that one people really enjoyed two like have aged well and like people and like have become iconic star wars stories and like three would translate well into the universe they've created because that's the thing this universe is very different from legends of old and that's not necessarily a bad thing it's just that like they were made in different ways like if you look at legends legends is often a lot of it is very like fan fiction-y to like the original trilogy yeah that's true almost every story was determined to get like luke or han or leia or whatever like any of the main characters in it which is is quite funny and i guess the newer canon has a bit of a tendency like a problem with doing that especially i feel like rise of skywalker was probably the closest in feel to old legend stories but like definitely there are great legend stories in there throughout i mean for me the biggest one that comes to mind is the knights of the old republic uh, games which yeah, I that's love absolutely true. and while I personally don't think they need to do a direct adaptation of that story to see that error and those characters in a new Star Wars canon material would be amazing for me personally 
I think uh, I I absolutely agree because like you know that you it's it's no secret that they have been you know localizing the stories they tell to the characters that we're familiar with the Skywalkers yeah. the the Solos or the descendants of them in any way, um and like you know it goes back to what we were sort of talking about and what we sort of got into talking about once we examined the behind the scenes of the Mandalorian more yeah. closely. Star Wars as a production clearly has voices like Kathleen Kennedy, like people like that, who know what they're doing in terms of formulating a production and hiring people that know what they need to do and how they're going to do it. Yeah. But something that they really need is a voice who really knows not only how to create a production, but people who know Star Wars, people who know how rich the Star Wars galaxy is and how you can evolve the story into something far more divergent than what we've seen in the last, say, 10 years since The Force Awakens came out. People like Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni, who were in charge of The Mandalorian, clearly have a very rich understanding of the universe because they were taught by George Lucas himself. Like, you know, these people who are making the Star Wars movies as is, they know how to make movies movies they know how to employ people to shoot and direct and write but they don't but i feel like the understanding of what the star wars universe itself and how that works in terms of in in terms of like a universe context uh hasn't really been there so the idea that they have taken their time or it seems as though they have taken their time to really go back and understand the 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 canon and the legends material that has been established since not only the prequels wrapped up since the original trilogy came out people who have been writing comic books or just books i have several books regarding like you know legends and stories that have been written by by people like pa- Pablo Hidalgo and yeah. uh, you know all these really great creative voices who have been um, who have made a name for themselves not only before the sequel trilogy came out but during the sequel trilogy's uh, reception mm. people like that are who you need behind the scenes and I think that they have taken the criticism there's uh, you know, that that has been prevalent since the sequel trilogy has come out and they've been able to learn from it not only because of the way in which they produced the Mandalorian but also in the ways in which they have uh, you know maybe possibly had an absence of people who not only know how to make films, but also know how to Star Wars. Yeah. Because <laughs> Star, Star Wars, in a lot of ways, is a verb. I, you, need to know, you need to know how to Star Wars, if you know what I mean. I think so. But also, like, I think personally, one of the things I felt was a bigger problem with, like, uh, Disney-era fil- films, and specifically the sequel trilogy, is it did kind of feel over-controlled by Lucasfilm. Like, they... I feel like they weren't as able to just let the directors and especially I guess and like the way that they like flip flop between them have one overall vision. And as you're saying, like you want you want that person to be a, like a fan of Star Wars, but also like to be known as a filmmaker and all that. I think that's why personally why I think The Mandalorian, as I said, worked so well was because you had these directors that were very skilled directors, but also they were allowed to do what they thought like worked best. And with that oversight from John Favreau, like um, putting it all into one coherent storyline, I think I think yeah, you need you need to let the artists make their art, and the especially the way that with Solo that they just completely screwed over um uh what's it, Phil Lord Chris Miller the way that Lord the Miller, reshoots yeah. with Rogue One the way that um the directors kept getting moved and swapped and like jumped Colin between Trevorrow. films in those yeah it's just it. I feel like these. I want films that aren't made by Disney Lucasfilm. I want films that are made by directors and artists, personally. 
Um, Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's, you really hit the nail on the head there, Michael. You need people who, uh, and you need a system, a creative system where you can sit down you with these people who know what they're doing. You need to be able to be able to accept what they want to do and be able to tell them, you know, okay, maybe you could go in this direction as well without just completely going, okay, no, that's really not what we're looking for. We'd like you to do this, like, yeah. you know, something like that. And, you know, it's, you could sort of look at the Marvel Universe, for instance. That's an ever that that's like you know a an ever growing franchise like Star Wars that has that is going on both movies and TV. Um, for for years now, you've had someone like Kevin Feige, who is the pre- who is like you know the, the 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 head of the MCU in a lot of ways. He is a he is a great uh, person who can get people on board. He knows how to assemble productions just like Kathleen Kennedy does. But at the same time, he's a huge fan of that material. Like, and, yeah. and then and then we look at someone like John Favreau and Dave Filoni. They are incredibly skilled writers, producers, people who know how to formulate a production well. But at the same time, they're able to put things in those episodes. Like on the Tatooine episode, you have that droid that had a bad motivator, so it got left behind by Luke. You see it. You see it roll down the. Yeah. the the hallway in the in the cantina you need people who can do both i think i think definitely though with that though as much as those those like elements are very fun and as star wars fans we just love to see them that isn't necessarily what made the mandalorian so great in and of itself like those are awesome extra parts but the mandalorian was great on top of that because it was a great like story that was told it had different feels but it also was one altogether story that like i don't know uh, it, it, as i'm saying it had a vision behind it that it, it fully followed and i think as much as it is great to have those fun little like uh, cameos and star wars elements and and you do want to have a someone like on set who knows the star wars knowledge like uh dave filoni did as we saw behind the scenes when he just mentioned all these fun like facts and stuff uh, the most important thing is having that coherent story because I'd much rather have a good Star Wars story than a lore-accurate, boring one, in a way, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, th- I completely understand what you mean. Like, you know, I think that in a lot of ways they go hand in hand. Yeah, I think a lot of... With, exactly. With, I think a lot of the time a, they with, do go hand in hand, yeah. With, with, with a saga like Star Wars, when you're writing a, a, a story... Um, a lot of the time, by no fault of your own, you're completely you, you are sort of hamstrung by what has come before. Like you know, in 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 Rise of Skywalker, they have that speeder chase when they're like, they fly now, they fly now. Like you know, they've been flying since the Clone Wars, but you know, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. You you need to at this while creating a really coherent and interesting story, you need to be also paying attention to what has come before so that they can cohesively go together. You know, something like that. So, um. I think that's the approach that I would love to see, yeah. and it seems as and it seems as though they're taking the time to um, to, to 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 facilitate that going forward. So um, anyway, the, the the story actually goes on because Kennedy was asked about the scrap plans for certain projects that that would have established a foundation for those kinds of stories, like yep. you know before Phantom Menace with the Old Republic, or like you know the the the, the Sith Civil War when there were like mm. a thousand Sith in the universe before the Rule of Two was established, stuff like that. Um, you know, these stories were originally to be penned by people like the Game of Thrones creators, Benioff and Weiss, as well as the once confirmed trilogy for the Ryan Johnson trilogy that was, you know, last yeah. year as Ryan Johnson. At this like, you point, know, it's not looking good for that trilogy. No. Because at that point, at, at some point around the time of Last Jedi's release, it was confirmed, and then it just has come. And then we've heard we've absolutely heard nothing, nothing about, about it before. Yeah. And like you know, I think that you know, speaking. Also, I think really, Ryan Johnson like kind of got like 
not yeah. scared off, but just like, yeah, his, his appreciation Speaking... of the Star Wars fan base has kind of gone downhill, as is many of us, but yeah. Speaking truthfully and realistically, like, you know, because Last Jedi was very divisively uh, received, a lot of people really didn't appreciate what was done in that film. Uh, not only were, like you said, Ryan Johnson would have maybe had his trust in the fa- in the Star Wars fandom shaken, but at the same time, like, you know, from an executive standpoint, Kathleen Kennedy and people like that need to be able to put people behind the camera that they know will be... Um, you know, when they release the news, it won't cause a huge, huge uproar. And, uh, and, yeah. and it's almost, and it's almost really not fair that it would cause a massive uproar, but we can't ignore the fact that it, that's absolutely what would happen. I think to an extent, like, uh, like I understand, I am not the biggest fan of the sequel trilogy and I, I personally have flaws with it, but I think the flaws mostly come from lack of direction. Whereas I feel a lot of the people that dislike Ryan Johnson. Or, or thought that he ruined Star Wars in a way, um, weren't... It's it's for less, like, like, redeemable reasons, I feel like. A lot of them just didn't like, like, the choices he made. Um, yeah. You know, like, I don't know. It's just, Look, nothing like, screams... Half, half <laughs> of it, like, like, there's, like, the internet, and then there's, like, the Star Wars, like, fan base, like, outside the internet. The Star Wars fan base outside of the internet, the reception for Last Jedi was more mixed in the sense of like, oh, it was, you know, it's different to the original trilogy films. Like they, I don't know, they didn't like how Luke was received. Like, sure, I can understand that if you grow up with those films, that's annoying. But like on the internet, there was a really big, like, um, just uh, the, like, I don't know, like misogynistic kind of like anti like oh, no, SJW absolutely. movement, which is just, yeah, I no, don't know. I, it was just that's... really not great. And, and a lot yeah. of that blame got put on, uh, what's her name? Um, Kelly Marie Tran was just bullied like horribly on social media. Uh, That was terrible. Um, Like Ryan Johnson, like everyone like blamed Ryan Johnson for things. And so personally, I don't think you need to uh, pander to those say like, oh yeah, we got rid of Ryan Johnson. Here's the director you like, like no more of that, that type of, I don't know, progressivism, whatever. Like that I think is not needed, but definitely you want to, you want to listen to fans legitimately like criticisms. And I think there are legitimate criticisms of the last Jedi, but necess- not necessarily Ryan Johnson as the director was one of them. I personally feel like. Yeah, no, I feel like there is no- nothing screams hyperbolic criticism like the reception of the last Jedi. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because people took it uh, like, you know, there, there are, it's, it's no secret about the stuff that has been said, things that, were uh, like things that were said about the actors that were just horrible. Um, we don't need to go into a, like, a lot of depth about it here. But they like, loved you know, beating no, up Holdo as well. It's no secret that it happened, you know, and yeah. you know, so uh, and it's also no, no secret that there was a certain point around the time of the Last Jedi's production and subsequent release that a certain approach they were taking to Star Wars was this, you know, SJW sort of thing where they wanted to focus more on that. A little bit and that wasn't well received and i think that that's a way that they've you know they've they, they've informed that they've used that reception to inform what's coming next so maybe but i yeah. think it was just it was just uh i don't i think it was just not well like received in a sense like i think they had diversity in the characters or so without like diversity in the creative voices like i really like in how the mandalorian how we've had uh the first uh, two female Star Wars directors with um, Deborah Chow and uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, and that's been yeah. great. And and especially they were brilliant. Yeah, 
and and I think Star Wars has always been a great movement for progressive like ideas in film. I mean, as you said, we had Carrie Fisher is one of the, like a really good like female uh uh what's it called uh heroine like figure in film that's that's been done. Like yeah, there are some not the best elements in like later on films, uh, especially in like Return of the Jedi. But like I think like she's a great. Also, uh. Lando Calrissian is a great African-American actor who's like a, one of the best characters in Star Wars. And so it's always been that. Uh, and especially in terms of like, you could definitely read the original uh, trilogy as a kind of anti-war film in certain, like related to certain like anti-imperialist and the, with the empire and the empire itself is directly based on Nazi Germany and like anti, like uh, what's it called? Authoritarian empires. And so Star Wars has always had this progressive movement inside of it. So I think it's more just a a process of you need to this is like I think art is the perfect medium to to express progressive ideas but that is in itself is needed through progressive voices and and diverse voices behind it. And so I think the one of the reasons why the last Jedi was as poorly received was just because well, how would you how would you say they were they, they yeah. were taking that they were taking that like you know idea of progressiveness that that was that was that was that was prevalent from day one in 1977 yeah. and and sort of taking it a little bit too far in I terms think, of yes we're being very progressive I think like, I hear you know, right. it was like it was trying to do it to sell it if you know what I mean like it was like no absolutely it was it was doing yeah. that whereas it's like all right we've still got only male directors only white directors only like mostly like white men like leading in charge of milk Lucasfilm and all this but. Look, we've got these characters on screen, therefore, by our film. And, like, that's just kind of disingenuous, which is why I think The Mandalorian is great, because they have yeah. a diverse voices behind the film making it. And always, when you, almost always, when you have diverse, like, filmmakers behind the film, that leads to more diverse and better, like, actual material itself. So, yeah. personally, I didn't have a problem with the way that Last Jedi was doing it. Uh, and I think by far and away, the hyperbolic response to Last Jedi was ridiculous, as you said. Um, but I think now, especially, they are they are doing, uh, exploring this in a in a much better way, I think, with, with things like The Mandalorian. And especially how I'm very excited for Kenobi, how it's being entirely led by Deborah Chow. I think that that's a great opportunity and a great, great you know- thing for sure. You, you really hit the nail on the head there, Michael, is like, you know, something that, you know, progressiveness and diversity have been a subject in Star Wars since day one, since since 1977. Yeah. Like, you know, Star Wars was one of the first films that didn't have all of the credits and the cast members yeah. at the start of the film. George Lucas was kicked out of the Director's Guild for that, and he was completely fine with it. Like, you know, st- the stuff that happened not only regarding Princess Leia, who was one of the main, like, you know, female heroines to emerge at that time, but also in regards to its filmmaking, it was completely divergent of many of the norms that had been established in filmmaking in Hollywood at that time and they didn't make that a subject that was just a thing they did and then the the, re- the reaction to that positive or not came after it was mainly positive of course so I think that that was something that they really could have employed in the sequel trilogy and are now employing with things like The Mandalorian like I think they did to an extent like like it's good that we had Rey as like the, the main protagonist and I think yeah. while, while I'm not the biggest fan of like choices made around her origin too with Palpatine her as a character I think was like great like fine like perfectly perfectly good as a lead especially and like uh, uh, same with like uh, uh, John Boyega as Finn 
again, like, yeah. while I think maybe he was underutilized, especially in the later films, uh, I think, again, like, as a character, he was really interesting. And, like, those were great characters to, uh, that, that, like, were unconventional in terms of the, the normal uh, Star Wars protagonists, I think. So that yeah. was... No, I think so. Like, you know, you were just talking about with the Mandalorian and and hopefully the future Star Wars projects that they're working on now, they can take that sense of progression and diversity and make sure that's a prevalent factor in not only the films themselves, but the way in which they're made. Not making them a subject, but just having it be there yep. is a really good idea on in terms of how to, uh, to approach it. And not making a big deal about the fact that it's something you're doing. I think that, that was, that's something that they really need to be doing. And with the only creative hand mm. seemingly, with the only creative uh, head seemingly able to stay standing in this ever-changing landscape being Taika Waititi with his player oh, Star great. Wars film, Kenobi, uh, uh, sorry, Kenobi, Kennedy said further that we just need time to step back and really absorb what George has created and then start to think about where things might go. That's what we've been doing and and we've been having a great deal of fun doing it, meeting with a lot of different filmmakers and talent. There's so many fans out there and so many filmmakers that have been influenced by Star Wars for so long that it's a fantastic opportunity to get a sense of who wants to be a part of this. So so that's what we've been doing. Yeah. Um, so it, it seems as though, like she was just saying, so many filmmakers, whether or not you talk about them, you know, when you watch interviews with people in like director's chair interviews and stuff like that, it seems that Star Wars is always referenced in some way because it's this huge, like, you know, icon in, in, in uh, filmmaking that is not only like, you know, something that people are a huge fan of, but it's influenced how people make movies and informs the choices yeah. they make in terms of what they do on set that hiring those people to do what you want to do is a really great idea. And it seems as though they, they're even talking about they're having a lot of fun doing it. I'm having a lot of fun thinking about the fact that that's what they're doing. They're taking a more um, a, a sensible approach to filmmaking as a whole. So I think that's, 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 that's great. Yeah. Just one, um, one point that you did say earlier to do with yeah. um, the way that like, maybe not necessarily making it a big deal. I think, it is, you do need to have it be uh, prominent enough on screen that it cannot be simply brushed under the rug. Like, yeah. you don't want it that people who don't want to feel these progressive views can just be like, oh, that's not actually important. Like, the most important, the most obvious case I can see is in Rise of Skywalker, where they had the uh, same-sex kiss between the two female characters. How that was yes. just completely edited out in international audiences. Uh, which was just terrible. Like, you can't, like, yeah. it was like, oh, we've got this progressive movement, we've got this representation, uh, representing people who who do, who, like, are Star Wars fans, who saw them, who might have seen themselves represented on, on screen, and then yeah. to just edit that out in international audiences, like, that, that's just not good. That's just, like, Disney being yeah. like, well, we want to make money from both progressives, but we also want to make money from, like, bigots on, like, in international audiences. Like, the, I don't know, like, that's, yeah, yeah. That's look, there's, problematic. I feel like the the world the the world as we know it is is like you know there are parts of the world that are very different and maybe not as progressive as like you know yeah. the, the other places have have become like you know there, there there are many instances of those sorts of things like you know same same sex kisses or even nods to that sort of thing being edited out in other yeah. countries because some t because like you know it it might not even be 
you know, China was not the a main thing. one that was edited out. It might not even be legal to have those views, and that's something that they need to yeah. that that need to consider. Like, I think it was actually something very similar that happened, and you know, this is completely not to do with Star Wars, but yeah. um, I think it was in the live action remake of Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Uh, uh, there was a uh, there was um Josh Gad's character LeFou. Yeah. Uh, he he was he was gay. He was a gay character, mm. and at the end there was a part where he's like dancing with another man. All right. Yeah. And and, and that was cut out in other countries that's the thing um, it was so subtle too but don't you know disney made a huge press like release saying like oh we've got one of the first gay characters on screen in in a in a disney film like they got they did the huge press release to try and get like the fans to come watch their film and then like hardly put it in the film like just you could easily yeah. just ignore have ignored that as oh there's just a man dancing with another man wearing a dress which like that type of representation that can easily be ignored or edited out, it's 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 just trying to like eat get eat your cake, yeah, have your cake and eat it. Like they want to make money off the people who like feel represented in the film, but they also want to make money by not like attacking people who like hold these beliefs or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, well, that's I mean, it's. It, I it'll be a thing that we'll like, you know, see if it ever gets developed. Like, you know, people start to, uh, you, you start to have that sort of dynamic and those sorts of things be represented more in your films. Like actually, you know what? It is actually, he talked about it a lot in the press tour for the rise of Skywalker, uh, Oscar Isaac, yeah. who played Poe Dameron. Uh, he actually talked, and this is completely fact about how he was hoping that Poe and yeah. Finn maybe could have been something. They had so um, much better chemistry than Finn and Ray did. So he much w- better, and, and he he was really hoping uh, that maybe that could be developed, and he could, you know, th- there could be that sort of representation between those two characters. And he yeah. talked about, and like you know, he didn't flat out say it, but he was very, like, you know, he was sort of like you know, passive aggressively saying that uh, he yeah. was a little bit frustrated because you know, Disney as a as a as an international conglomerate wasn't entirely ready to go all out with exactly. that sort of thing, and like you know. Yeah, because it's you know, ha- kind of hard to edit out the main characters in an international audience. So we can't say what goes on behind closed doors. We just receive the news and talk about it on a podcast. Yeah, but it seems as though that they can. There, there is certainly room for development and uh, and um, veritable improvement in that area. I think yeah. so um, because it was cl- like you know. Honestly, just on the just based on the look on his face and the way he was talking, uh, Oscar Isaac clearly, um, you know, had become a little bit frustrated by some of the yeah. things that they were doing. I so, mean, if you look, John Boyega has been incredibly frustrated with the, the way things have been. Like, uh, I know he um, he's not a fan of the Raylo uh, relationship. Oh no, uh, there, there was there yeah. was a whole thing online where, like, you know, he um, he actually retweeted an article that had been posted by Star Wars saying that Rey was the most powerful character or powerful Jedi, more powerful than Anakin, Luke, Yoda, everyone. Mm. And then John Boyega literally retweeted it and started saying like, you're kidding, right? Like, you know, seriously, Anakin Skywalker will force hold you all to the wall while he fights. And then he got torn to shreds by some people. So a lot of people really supported him, but yeah. there was a, sm- a certain minority that said, no, 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 you're wrong. I think a but- lot of his criticisms are like general, like good criticisms. Like he's not criticizing it because of any of the legit, uh, illegitimate reasons. But I do yeah. think a lot of the people who do criticize it for illegitimate, illegitimate reasons or like kind of, you know, bigoted reasons uh do kind of lack yeah. onto him and so, so and it's he's not to blame for that but like yeah i, no, I although i not. do i do agree with a lot of the things he does say like especially he, he brought up some interesting points to do with like the raylo 
uh, relationship um is she kind he kind of uh she kind of fell in love with like an uh, an abuser in a way like he was like really I mean, oh, he's yeah. a he's a villain like he is a villain I mean, uh, like in the sense that, like yes he is like redeemed quote, quote unquote in the end but like yeah like he tortured her like they had like fight like physical fights i don't know yeah it is killed, kind a, of... killed a fu- killed a father figure in front of her yeah it's uh it's real interesting but i'm it sure we'll really get to uh, the um, sequel trilogy eventually in our in-depth discussions uh later yeah, on this is something that we'll definitely tackle in the last yeah. jedi and rise of skywalker uh saga retrospectives yeah. um but uh yeah you know there's just a whole other like you know there's been talks that john Boyega has had with fans over the you know social media about people who galvanize behind him in terms of uh finn's lack of rep- uh, of uh of of character development or yeah, even story relevant really in, I mean, in the Rose, trilogy. Rose in episode nine was just so oh, Look, sad. Okay. Listen, listen, we're going to let's not go too deep on yeah, it now. Yeah. We'll talk about it in uh, when we get further into the sequel trilogy, but you basically, you guys do get the gist of what we're saying. Yeah. Like, you know, there could have, and that comes from a, a, the lack of an overarching roadmap, but again, that's sequel trilogy talk. All right. Yeah. Well, we're, uh, let's just get back to the what interview. We were talking about originally, Sorry, was this a which is the interview. Be- but no, this is why we had it as a main discussion is yeah. because this entire thing, There's a lot to you know, has the opportunity to branch into these types of discussions because the, all the things that we're talking about now seems to be the things that they have learned from and you have to give them credit for that because in the way that in, in, in which she is talking, again, she could be talking complete nonsense, but it sounds like it, uh, it sounds like she does have uh, quite a bit of conviction. In well, terms I think of, we've already uh, started in, in to terms see of what she's saying, so. like that. Like no, th- I think so through too. Mandalorian and I guess through like Kenobi and stuff, we are starting to see um, explorations outside of the Skywalker family into more deeper parts of the Star Wars lore. So, you know, if we see more of that, as she's saying, that'd be exciting. And the way they're going about actually filming stuff, they're not, you, you, you never hear about like, you know, oh, this person has come in to rewrite the Mandalorian series or this person has come in to do reshoots. Like, it all seems to be very succinct. They've learned from what didn't work for them over the last 10, over the last five years. And uh, yeah, hopefully they're making a a better and more intricately thought out roadmap for what's coming next. And that sort of actually uh, branches out to what's, uh, when uh, there was recent discussion about anything Star Wars related being pushed more towards the TV genre Mm. with the constant evolution of the Mandalorian, a rapidly approaching production for the Kenobi series, like we were talking about in the, uh, in the, uh, in the news segment, and even the recent casting of Adria Jorni and Cassian Andor. Kathleen Kennedy was asked about the future of Star Wars on TV and whether or not that will be a key driving force going forward. We've got a little bit, more quotage yeah. attached here so michael would you like to read that sure i do uh, and i've already seen evidence of it the ability to be very character driven with extended storytelling and connected storytelling i think this space offers us great opportunity to do that 100 percent agree i think you want to explore characters agree. uh you want to explore you want to explore the characters that we haven't seen before maybe new characters maybe characters that are haven't received much screen time that we can explore more uh, and definitely you want to ex- uh, have new and expanded storytelling in these areas of the star wars universe that we haven't explored much 100 percent agree I, with that i absolutely agree like you know and it goes back to the idea that kenobi was originally going to be a movie but then when disney plus started yeah. and they started to think about it more like more creative voice was attached to it they made the executive decision to make it into a series because yeah, like she's just talked about here there's ability to be very character driven with extended storytelling because if you make eight episodes eight like 40 minute episodes with kenobi you're basically able to make like two and a half movies worth of storytelling, which is which is which is which is really interesting because there's a lot of rich 
story to be told in terms of the 19 year time gap that Kenobi is faced with. And like, you know, like you said, this, that, that space offers a great opportunity to do things you haven't done yet. So I think that's really interesting. Mm. Yeah. And it makes sense why they would have TV and the streaming service and that future uh, of, of Star Wars looking at it in that way. The idea of having that being like, you know, a real, uh, not, not like the flagship that carries everything forward, but a really driving force uh, makes perfect sense, I think. Like, you know, clearly Kathleen Kennedy and the rest of the creative team over at Lucasfilm has made the appropriate choice to step back rethink their strategies and come away with a foundation for an entirely new take on the franchise based on what has proven to work and even past choices that did not pan out in the way they would have liked and how that in turn can help to inform what to do next as well. Like, you know, we just talked about uh, the things that they have tried, they didn't work and how they can take that and say, okay, we tried this. It wasn't well received. We're going to take that criticism and take instead what did work and focus more on that. I think they're taking a very reasonable approach to the executive side of Star yeah, Wars filmmaking. So, yeah. Basically, um, if we don't get uh, more directors just being fired and kicked out, that, that at least is a good step. Yeah. God, it would uh, suck yeah. so much if Taika Waititi, like, made most of his film, and then right at the end they got rid of him and replaced him with, like, I don't know, another director. Okay, look at this. Look, look, look at it this way. Look at it this so way. Bad. Look at it this way. If that does happen, I will. I, I, it'll hard. It'll be hard for me to maintain faith in anything that's been said because <laughs> because because if Taika Waititi does suffer from that, like you know, uh, oh, he's done, and someone comes in to like rewrite part of it, yeah. or someone comes in to do reshoots on something, yeah. uh, it will. Comp- uh, to me, that contradicts what they have yeah. uh, said. They've learned from, which is taking the creative voices that, uh, like you know, have learned mm-hmm. so much of what informs their creative decisions from Star Wars and how it was made in the original trilogy. And like, you know, using that as uh, like, you know, a precedent to their own style of filmmaking. If they do this thing again, or if they start to uh, like, you know, get themselves bogged down in, oh yeah, we don't like this thing that you're doing. We're going to do it this way. Right. If that starts to emerge again, I mean, (laughs) you know, the the, the problem just comes back, you know, like, you know, it just, it's this frustrating thing that would come back. Hey, look. We're not going to say it will happen. No. We're just we're, we're just saying that if it did uh, happen, you, this would be our response. Yeah, you to know, it. though, out of any of the directors, he would be the one to do it. Like, like he'd be the one who would do most go into that film with his own creative vision and want to do it his way, similar to the way that Phil Lord and Chris Miller would have. And you know that if it was the old f- version of Lucasfilm, and hopefully that isn't what they because now that they say that isn't what they are anymore, that and like yeah. they don't like the direction he's going. You know, Taika Waititi would be the one that they would recast or like. Oh, absolutely because Taika Waititi really has that that form of divergent yeah. storytelling in the way he does it like you know I've seen all of Taika Waititi's films I've and seen I love most the, of them I haven't I love the I love them all I haven't right? seen because... boy no I've I haven't seen shark something and the other one Jojo Jojo Rabbit I've seen Jojo Rabbit I've seen okay uh, what we do in the shadows which is my favorite I've seen yep. Thor Ragnarok and I've seen Hunt for the Wilder People Yes, Hunt for the Wilder People is one of the best comedies I've ever seen because it's that dr- it's that dry humour mm. that Taika Waititi is so good at that it's not supposed to be funny, but just the way in which he delivers yeah. a certain line, how he di- how he directs people to act, yeah. makes it 
ma- uh, makes it objectively hilarious. He's a very unorthodox, but also very original and fresh creative director. And like and I one, think that's exactly yeah, what Star Wars. Exa- needs. It's exactly what Star Wars needs. But it's exactly you know, what Star Wars needs. You know, it's the exact thing that Lucasfilm would have like fired the director and gotten another one for like five years ago. Yeah, and look, <laughs> hey, again, if this is how they're approaching things, what Kathleen Kennedy has yeah. said in this interview, I, I, I have faith. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt yes. that some that that Taika Waititi and filmers and, and filmmakers like Taika Waititi will be able to take their films, their uh, like you know, have creative discussions with the head honchos at Lucasfilm, think, okay, yes, I think that works, and then make his film and have trust that that is how it's going to happen. Yep. Because if it doesn't. I will lose faith in anything that has been said. I'm just saying it as is. I'm being completely yep. blatantly honest with you. Here, here it is. is. I- here, here it is first, guys. If Taika Waititi is fired from his film, however long into making it, because of creative differences, we'll make a two-hour-long morn morning uh, podcast, which well, is like, which is sad the whole time. Honestly, in complete seriousness, like you know, if that does start to happen, it will just get me frustrated all over again because <laughs> we'll, I because, because we'll rename because our I'm, podcast from Telling the Odds to to like marvel something which is go marvel instead <laughs> i don't know but look, look everything <laughs> yeah. that's been said everything that's been said in this press release and what kathleen kennedy has has said is it gets me really yeah. hopeful it yeah, sounds exactly. like they've learned from their mistakes and it sounds like they're on the right path so if that sort of thing does start to happen again i'm gonna get really angry <laughs> well um, yes I, as so, you say we'll give them the benefit of the doubt this is what they've said yeah. and the only look the only way we can find out truly is through the actual Star Wars material they make. So we'll just have yeah. to wait and see. And frankly, like, you know, I'm being, again, completely serious here. With some of the stuff that has happened, the creative voices that have been shunned from something that could have possibly been better than what we got, than what we ended up getting. Yeah. I should have lost faith in some of the stuff that they've done a long time ago. But you, but, 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 but Michael, me, a lot of other people have maintained faith that something better will come of it and this is and 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 something like this this everything's been said by kathleen kennedy and anything that's come as of recently has started to uh like you like you know um authenticate the 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 faith that we've held on to so if anything like that sort of starts to trickle away again i'm sorry i'm just not going to be able to be as optimistic about the future of star wars as i am now you ready for this the star wars fan base is built on hope it is it is (laughs) Right now, it is. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, the, to be the fair, best, I the did. Be- I like. I peaked. Like probably, I was most interested in Star Wars, like Force Awakens, Rogue One, Last Jedi a bit. Although my interest in the Star Wars fan base did really decline around uh, Solo and Rise of Skywalker era, but it did get a lot higher again after the Mandalorian, and especially with the direction they're going right now. As you say, we have hope again. Uh, yeah. What, what, and if that, what's the insert uh, insert Jin Erso quote? Hang on, I'll get it. Well, yeah, well, like it, it, it's a you were you were joking, yeah. but yeah, the the best parts of the Star Wars fandom right now are built on hope. All right, yeah. and yeah. and if and if sort of thing, we're not saying that it will. We're, we don't want to preempt anything, but we're just saying that if that sort of thing does start to happen again, where we see directors being shunned, creative voices being like, "Oh no, 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 we want it this way," like has been done in Solo, in Rogue One, uh, uh, reshoots and stuff like that. How that was tampered with. If that sort of thing starts to happen again, I'm sorry, I'm just not going to have as much trust in the things that has been said now as I would if. This sort of press release happens again, if that makes any sense. But yeah, um, 
when he's looking up, Gino says, quote. I'm trying to find the quote, which is like, uh, we, we, we make it to the next spot and then we keep going and like we have hope or whatever. I was going to like edit it to be like, we make it to the next Star Wars film. Oh, we like, to there. Uh, we're ta- I think it's like, take the next chance and the next out on and on until we win or the chances are spent. Exactly. That's how it that's, is. We take the next chance. We take the next Star Wars film and we keep going either until we make it towards good Star Wars films or we, re- we, we, re- uh, we rebrand our podcast to being a Marvel podcast. Yeah, I think that's the ultimatum. That that's the ultimate. Now we're good. Uh, yeah. Star Wars look, is fun. With, we love Star Wars. With three cinematic release dates set for 2023, 2025, and 27, and 2027, with the exception of any confirmed details or synoptic description, things are not. clearly in motion. Yeah. And, well, not to put too much of a pun on it like we have just done, but a new hope for the saga hmm. seems to be emerging. Yeah. Like, you know, you just hit the nail on the head, Michael. I, I probably said hit the nail on the head like three times today Go for in this, it. In this, We're in allowed. this You're allowed. It's our podcast. But, yeah, but look, like, we love Star Wars. I have loved Star Wars since I was six years old. And look, uh, and, and you know... I've been fighting new... this war since I was six years old. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's all happening. It's all coming together. This is a rogue oh one. Oh, my God, Michael. Well done. Seriously, well done. I could not pull that out like you could. I've been in this fight since I was six years old. Yes, go, go. Uh, Sorry, keep going, keep going. It's true. We've been fighting this war. <laughs> no, Gosh, you're Cassian um, Andor. I'm Jyn Erso. <laughs> yes. Uh, look, we have been fans of Star Wars for as long... I've been a fan of Star Wars for as long as I can remember. Before Force Awakens came out, we were just blindly fanatic about anything that was coming. After The Last Jedi and the and, and, and Solo, we started to, like, you know, trickle away from it because these things with creative turnarounds and not a cohesive, like, you know, yeah. roadmap started to emerge and become far more um, known throughout the fandom and that's why we sort of started to be like eh and now we have a, a dynamic where things are changing they're learning from their mistakes they've they've created a a an area where they have gone back and looked at what they've done wrong and more specifically what they've done right and focus more on those things they're basically saying that hey the mistakes that we've made the things that you guys have not been happy about we aren't happy about them either and though and that is going to change and i believe them i do yeah. I, I, I can say I do believe them because I have, because, okay, look, I have faith that that's what they're doing. But like we said, if that doesn't remain consistent and that sort of thing where the things that were coming more prevalent after The Last Jedi and Solo start to emerge again, I'm sorry, I'm just not going to believe anything that comes out. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's up to them. It's on their side, but we just have to have hope. And as you say, the Stars franchise is built on hope. The Star Wars saga is in your hands. Make it great. <laughs> help that, help Michael, me, Lucasfilm Kenobi. You're my only hope. And that wraps up the main discussion pretty much because that's the end of the quotes and basically the end of the article that we've written on yeah. it. Again, all these main discussions and the written parts that we've had prepared for the show will be available on the website later. But yes. look, it's it's just... Okay, you know what? We've said everything that we can say right now. That was great. I think we just need, I think we just need to move on. Yeah. So that has been our main discussion. And, yeah. um, you know... There's, it's it's a very, uh, I think this was a part of the Star Wars area in terms of the creative side that we haven't talked about a lot. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, you know, We've mostly focused on a, the actual material itself and less from on... A, from less a critiquing on, standpoint. Yeah, less on the uh, like behind the scenes creative side of who's actually managing the thing and, and the choices behind it from a higher level up and like a, over, like a, whole, a whole franchise side level. I, exactly. Uh, so yeah, that 
will definitely spawn a lot of uh, different discussion. And obviously there is yeah. room for discussion, both on our Facebook page and the website. Yeah, so and we'll definitely talk more about this um, when we get to the sequel trilogy analysis. Yeah, exactly. We'll be able to do that much uh, in a couple of weeks when we get there. Uh, but all in all, that really wraps up the episode for today, guys, because we've had the main discussion. We've had the rest of the news stories. I really hope you guys have enjoyed listening. We've really had a very in-depth discussion and we've been able to air a lot of the stuff that I have had bottled up for a while. <laughs> yeah, I think hopefully, um, like, yeah, hopefully you enjoyed the episode, but also hopefully, like, you know, you got a new perspective to, like, think about something from about the Star Wars universe you might not have thought about it in this specific way before, you know? That's what we're yeah. here for. We're, we're, we love discussions. We don't necessarily always agree on everything the Star Wars do, although even, like, whether listeners or each other, but I think the one thing we all share is we all love Star Wars and we all want Star Wars to, like, be in a direction where everyone can enjoy it. And I think... That's that's you know that's always a good thing. So hopefully we've all come out of this with new ideas and new things to to think about. So could not have said it better myself, Michael. That is where we're going to wrap it up. Thank you guys again for listening. Uh, the time codes for each uh, of these discussions will be available in the description, as well as the links to the sources wherein we got the news reports from. Uh, this will be up on to at twelve p.m. AEST. Uh, on Sunday on multiple different platforms. We've said them God knows how many times. You guys know where to find us. Uh, YouTube version will also be available the very same time the next day, as well as the fact that we are on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Make sure to follow us there to stay up to date, as well as, like we were just talking about, our new website. We have everything that you want to know about us there. You can keep up to date on anything that we've got going on. Next week, we'll probably be doing the Saga Retrospective for Return of the Jedi yes. like we did for Empire last week, um, which should be in a very, very interesting exciting because the I, love, trilogy. I love Return of the Jedi and there's a lot of things that I'd like to say about yeah, it. Yeah, it'd be and, interesting um, to see where we rank it in relation to the other films as well. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, all in all, guys, I hope you guys are really having a... Uh, um, I hope you guys are staying safe and uh, having a good time, not only listening to our podcast, but uh, yeah, just in life. Have mm. a good life, guys. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, anything else to say, Michael? Uh, we'll see you all next time, but uh, yeah, stay safe out there. Have a good merry Star Wars time. Don't know why I said yep. merry, but uh, we'll Who roll cares? with it. Uh, Who yeah. cares? Have a merry Star Wars time. Everyone. Right, May right, the well. force be with you. Yep. This has been Telling, Telling the Odds. odds.